Anyway, let's turn then to Ephesians chapter 4 as we continue to look at the whole idea of gifts and ministries. We were looking over the last couple of weeks at 1 Corinthians 12 and some of the ideas that we find there. And we saw that Paul talks about the idea of unity and diversity. This idea that we have one spirit who is at work within his people. You remember I, I said being a Christian is about being baptized in the spirit. I know that might sound alien for Pentecostals, but, but the idea is that when you become a Christian, the way they described it in the New Testament was they said, are you baptized in the spirit? They didn't know what a Christian was. They just knew someone that was baptized in the spirit. Have you had an encounter with the living God? Because Christianity is ultimately not about ticking a series of propositions. I believe Jesus lived, I believed he died, I believed he rose again, sort of ticking the boxes and thinking, now I'm a Christian. It's not that at all. Christianity is about an encounter with the living God through his spirit. And when that encounter happens, then you begin to think about intellectually and it makes you realize Jesus is alive. Jesus did die. He did rise again. But it comes out of an encounter with the living God. But the other things that come out of that encounter with the living God is the ministry of the life of the church. And, uh, and Paul's saying, the spirit, you've been baptized into one spirit and now you're called to function and serve within the life of the church. And, and we saw that in 1 Corinthians 12, he says there are different gifts, but the same spirit, different ministries, but the same Lord, different results, but the same God and Lord. And uh, I, I was talking about that last week, and I was saying, actually, these three words are very interesting words, because I don't think they're saying the same thing in, same, in a different way. I think they're actually delineating different expressions of the work of the spirit. And, uh, and we, we looked last week at what I call the motivational gifts, the character gifts, the way God makes us. And there are kind of seven types within the life of the church. And we saw that was based on Romans 12. And we talked a little bit about that. Again, you can see that talk if you missed it. And then he talks about this idea of ministries. And, and that word ministries is actually the word service. And, and he's saying there's different kinds of service. And, and I think what he's talking about is roles. And we're going to look at that in a second. And then he talks about results or empowerments. And we'll talk about that next week. But let's look at this idea of different kinds of service. You, you see, Paul starts in Ephesians 4. And he gives us a list of gifts, which I think are roles or service gifts. And, and he describes the way that we are all called to service. That word that is used, there are different kinds of ministries, is the word diakonon. And it's the word that we get deacons from. It means those who serve. And all of us are called to serve. All of us are called to have a distinctive role. Every single one of you has been given a job to do uh, in the life of SBC. Uh, I, I believe God calls us into a local church. I don't think you can read Paul differently from this. Calls you into a local church, and he calls you to serve within the life of that church. We're going to talk about how he calls you into maybe a work situation or a family situation uh, in the next six weeks uh, after October. But, but 
in a church, we're all called to serve. And the question is, what is the job that God has for you in SBC? And Paul starts Ephesians 4 by saying, walk worthily of the calling you have received. He's saying you have been given a calling, you've been given a job, God has asked you to do something in the life of this church. And then he says, walk worthily in relation to that job. What, what's he mean, worthily? Well, he means work on your attitude. Because you're going to see, he goes on and he says, you know, we are called with all humility and gentleness, with patience. I like this phrase, putting up with one another in love. Do I have to? making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So Paul starts talking about roles that we have in the life of the church, and he says, you're all called to a role, and I want you to do this role in a worthy way. And by that I mean I want you to work on your attitude. Because okay? actually, gifts and ministry starts with attitude. And uh, 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 once heard a preacher say, and he said, you know you have a servant's attitude when someone treats you like one. You, you think how you react. Hmm. Maybe God's got something to do in terms of my attitude. You see, because our roles within the church start with an attitude. It starts with a servant attitude. It starts with an attitude that says, I will do whatever I am called to do. Uh, there was once um, a pop star, and uh, I've forgotten his name, Barry. He wrote Eve of Destruction. Does anybody remember his name? What? Barry Maguire. Yeah, Barry Maguire wrote Eve of Destruction. I think it was a number one hit in America. He became a Christian. He went to work in a church. He's a rock star, okay? Number one hit. And... Uh, they asked him to clean the toilets. You know, and, and, and it's like, don't they realize who I am? You know, wait, I'm, I'm just waiting for the big call. You know, when you hand me of worship or you hand me. But no, he had to learn what it was to be a servant. Gifts and ministries is about learning what it means to be a servant, to be willing to serve. And, and, and oftentimes, you, you learn very quickly those who have a servant attitude and those who don't. You, you ever seen it around a, if you get all the family together for a big meal and you got 15 people there on Christmas Day and you look around that table, you will very quickly identify those who have a servant attitude and those who don't. Is that true? Yeah, all the women are going, yeah. <laughs> Funny that. <laughs> and... <laughs> So it begins with our attitude. And, and Paul talks about certain elements within that attitude. So he talks about that humility, that willingness to serve. And then he talks about gentleness. And, and then he says patience. So gentleness and patience. And putting up with one another in love. You know, sometimes you have to put up with one another. You know, you, you, you decide to serve and you do stuff and, and suddenly somebody doesn't come up and say, good job, that was brilliant. And you say, don't they realize how amazing my service was? And it's like, it's never recognized. And you're going, I'm just not appreciated. Or, or, or you do something 
and, and you know, you've got a busy diary and it's crazy, but you make enough time to go and do your service in church and then somebody criticizes you. And you can feel the anger welling up. You know, I did that as a favor. You know, how dare they speak to me in that way? And, and, and suddenly all this stuff starts to build. Paul says, walk worthily through your attitude. And here's a really scary thing. And, and I, I learned this from a business seminar, actually. It wasn't even a Christian seminar. It was talking about burnout at work. And, and they had done a series of studies about what causes people to burn out. And it was saying most people think it's how hard you work. Uh, you know, if you work 90 hours a week, you're going to burn out. And, and they'd done all these studies of all these top execs, and like they were working 70, 80 hours. They loved their work. <laughs> they didn't burn out. <laughs> and then there were other people that worked 15 hours, and they were like, oh, no, long-term sick. <laughs> it was like, what, what's going on? And they studied it. And you know what they discovered was the key factor to work, uh, burnout of? Not how hard you work, but the attitude you have towards your work. You know what is the killer? Resentment, bitterness. You know, reacting to those people when you give service, how they respond to you. You know, Monday morning, because churches aren't always the best places to work. You know, Monday mornings, I, I, I get some time to just kind of reflect on the week I've got ahead, what's happened, reflect on Sundays. But I also take time to say, am I harboring any bitterness or resentment to anyone at this moment. And I know if I am, I've got to deal with it. Because if I don't deal with it, I'm dead in the water. You know, it's going to come back and it will damage me and it might damage the church. And the thing is, we do not walk worthily to our calling when we allow resentment to build up in our lives in terms of our service. So the key to effective service is not saying, they've not recognized me, I'm being mistreated. It's to say, you know what, I need to deal with my attitude here. I do my service unto the Lord, and whether people recognize it or not, I am going to be a servant and demonstrate it. Let's go down to slide nine, next to the next slide slide after that. See, see, Paul says, you have to follow, next slide, sorry, we have to follow the example of Christ. We have to be like Jesus, and, and you'll know there's a very famous story in the Gospels about Jesus on the night he was betrayed. Now, Jesus had a few things on his mind. You know, he was about to face his crucifixion. He had no idea what was about to happen. He, he had a, a group of guys that were looking to him for support and everything. And, and, and he was facing trauma. And, and at that point, you know, you thought, maybe Jesus could expect some support. The, the idea of diaconus or deacons in a church is the idea, we see it in Acts 6, it was the idea... That, that the apostles would be released from the pressures on them by other people taking away the things that were causing the pressures so that they could do the things that they were good at. That's kind of how it was meant to work. And, and in this situation, in the Last Supper, you were expecting Jesus' disciples to be there for him, to turn up, 
to take away the pressure. And Peter is taking a huff about where he's been positioned in the room. Can't go into all this morning, but Peter just felt slighted by Jesus because he had sat in the lowest position in the room. And Jesus hadn't said, oh, come on, come up and sit beside me because you're much more important than the lowest position. And because he was in the lowest position, it was his job to wash everybody's feet. And Peter thought he was bigger than that. I'm more important than that, don't you realize? I'm Peter, I'm the rock. You're going to build the church on me, uh, allegedly. And, uh, and, uh, and, 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 and Jesus says, Peter, you've got it so wrong. And so Jesus gets up and he washes everybody's feet. And, and, and Peter is shamed because he sees the example of the servant. And Paul uses this example of this example of Jesus here in Ephesians 4. Because, and, and it's kind of complicated what he says. He says Jesus descends to ascend. And then what Paul is talking about is the radical values of Christianity. The way you become effective and the way you gain recognition in, in the church and in the life of a Christian is not through declaring, I'm really important and you all have to serve me. It's by becoming the servant of everyone. And as you serve, then God recognizes you and you ascend. You know, Barry Maguire, that rock star I was talking about, he tells his testimony and he says, only when I had learned to be a servant by cleaning toilets, when, you know, I wasn't resenting every day turning up to do that, was I ready to be released into something else? And, uh, and so this idea of being a servant in order to be recognized is there in the example of Jesus. And so Paul is saying, follow Jesus' example, walk worthily. And then he goes on and he says, so when Jesus descended to ascend, he also then called into being a whole series of roles. And he talks about four different roles uh, here in Ephesians 4. He talks about apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastor teachers. Sometimes you'll hear people say that there is a five-fold ministry here, and they separate pastors from teachers. But actually, in the New Testament, pastor and teacher is a single role. It's held together. And uh, the, the idea is that if you are a teacher, you will also be a pastor. Now, I don't know if that means that you do all your pastoring through teaching. Uh, there used to be a very famous Scottish preacher called Willie Still up in Aberdeen. And he used to say, I do 97, 97% of my pastoral care from the pulpit. And uh, which was an interesting phrase, but I don't think that's what Paul's talking about. I think what he's saying is if you're going to be a teacher, you need to be in touch with people. And uh, you, you can't just be a teacher and not in touch with people. So pastor-teacher is a joint role. And, and these four roles are mentioned. However, we discover that these roles are not exhaustive. And that if we turn to 1 Corinthians 12, Paul adds a whole bunch of other roles to these. He talks about exorcists or miracle workers in your translations, counselors, practical types. I was going to put handyman there, but I knew it wasn't PC. Uh, administrators. He, he talks, he adds another four roles in there as well. And, and I think what Paul's talking about 
is he's talking about different roles and recognizing that we all have roles. And he's trying to identify the diversity of roles that there is. And I think when we look at this, we can use a, a wee diagram to help us understand how roles work. And if I can have your indulgence for a second. You, if you imagine an x-axis and a y-axis, uh, and you have the idea of profile versus reach. So profile is how visible you are in a ministry situation. Right? So I'm standing up in front of the whole church this morning. So where am I on the visibility thing? Pretty high. Okay, I'm fairly seen. Okay, somebody after church might get alongside somebody and go out for a coffee with them and have a really important, significant chat, maybe more important than the sermon. Where are they going to be on the visibility thing? Unseen. So you've got seen and unseen, right? these two polarities. But you also have, in, in terms of reach, you have the ministry, which is to everyone. And I address most of the church especially if you watch on YouTube, and, and to just a single individual. So ministry can either be to the whole church, or it can be to a single individual, and that gives you another ministry axis. And if you do this, uh, the scientific types will like this, but if you do the two axes, it actually gives you four quadrants, and you will see that there are kind of four ministry spheres of four roles. And, and the first one on the far left Give you those who are seen and minister to everyone. And, and that's the list that Paul initially mentions. He mentions apostles and prophets. And there was certainly throughout most of my lifetime a lot of discussion about are apostles and prophets uh, exist today or not. And uh, generally speaking, I find it easier to interpret them as existing in the past. And uh, the, the reason I do that is because an apostle, so that's people like Peter and Paul and, and John and Matthew, these individuals, they have a ministry that is highly visible. Why? Because you read about them in the New Testament. And it's to everyone. Everybody who's been a Christian has read the letters of Paul, has read uh, the letters of Peter, has read the stuff John wrote. So the apostles minister to everybody through all time. Oh, wow, that's a great reach <laughs> and very visible. Uh, prophets have done the same. And again, the Old Testament is made up of prophets. And if you think of the reach of the Old Testament prophets, same thing. So apostles and prophets are way off the scale in terms of it. Generally speaking, I find that when people want to call themselves apostles and prophets today, they, they sort of get into kind of strange territory. It's just just been my experience, okay? I know somebody's going to go, they are for today. And I kind of get that, I can see the rules maybe for today. But anyway, that's the best way of understanding apostles and prophets. But then you have evangelists and you have pastor teachers. So pastor teachers, what do they do? That's a role which is seen by the whole church and it ministers to everyone. So my role involves me ministering to the whole church. I have a responsibility before God for everybody. And, and I stand in, a, I mean, Paul, or I think uh, Paul explains that we will stand accountable for that, for the way that we have led and exercise that responsibility. It's visible and it's to everyone. There's also evangelists. 
And, and these guys, uh, and I think they still exist today, although we don't call them, but these are the people who move from one church to another church to another church. And it says that they encourage people to reach others for Jesus. Uh, unfortunately, our organizations turned them into bishops. And uh, I was reading an article in the Times about, sorry, Church of England, uh, about the Church of England, and they were talking about how the bishops are slowly closing down the Church of England. And, and, and you think, well, there is a biblical role that's like a bishop, but it's called an evangelist, and it's actually a role which says, you know, the church needs to be reaching its community. It needs to be reaching people. And it's people outside of churches, because if you're running a church, dead easy to get focused in, in relation to it, rather than have people who come and say, how are you doing reaching out? Anyway, so that's that square. Those people who are seen and they minister to everyone. Then you have people who minister to everyone, but they're unseen. Okay? And, and, and you have a, a, a series of roles like this. Uh, that, that, for instance, uh, if we, we look at the word administrators, you have administrators. People who make up our leaflets. Okay, someone did this leaflet in the office. Right? You won't even know their name, but they've just ministered to everyone. They've given you a wee thing that will help you remember if you forget, like me. And uh, they, they've ministered to you. They've ministered to everybody, but you don't know who they are. You know, we have some amazing people in the church. Let me just share a couple of them. You know, Maureen Turner, every week, does the flowers in our church. You know? <laughs> Gets on with it. I, I mean, it's been, I don't know how many years. I can't remember when Maureen wasn't doing it. Every week, get no complaining, nothing. Gets it done, puts it up. And not only just, it doesn't go to little and just say, oh, there's a bunch of flowers. I'll buy it. It's just, what's the sermon topic? What's that about? How can, I, how can I arrange flowers or buy flowers that will help enhance the message? Putting energy and thought into every single week. Done ministering to all of us unseen till you get mentioned in a sermon. It, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know there's a team. <laughs> there, there, there's someone else um, that deserves to be mentioned. You know, we have, a, we have somebody who uh, talks about the gift of helps, but, but somebody practically, and we're... Um, Someone took early retirement, a guy called Hard Bar in our church. And Hard said, I want to serve the church. And the way I want to serve the church is I want to fix stuff for you. I want to help you maintain your buildings. So we've got lots of buildings and there are leaks and things and light bulbs that need changed and all. And he says, I'm going to help with that. And, and again, just uh, I was talking to him in the summer. And uh, he's saying, oh, yeah, I'm just going to fix the sports hall, which... Fix the sports hall. We've got a river running through it. He's digging up the, the floor, rebuilding it. So we can use it. You know, the people who end up using the sports hall, the people who come in and worship, are they going to know hearts and name? Again, until the minister mentions them. No, but he ministers to everyone. You see, and there are roles like that. There are roles we need people at. This morning, I need people who are willing to serve coffee. You know, this morning I came in and I got a cup of coffee. They're serving everyone. <laughs> uh, you may not notice them, but they're serving you. And, and, and giving us coffee. And we need people to do that. We need people to serve coffee. If you're interested in helping with coffee, come here and sit at the left after the service and Alex will talk to you. We also need people to do the readings. 
you know, Kat did the reading this morning, and, and, and it ministers to everyone. We need people to do that. And if you're interested in helping out with the readings, come and sit at the right after the service, and, and uh, Heather will speak to you about that. You see, we need people who aren't always seen, but they do reach to everyone. Then this next sector, uh, at the bottom right, is people who are unseen, and they minister to individuals. You know, the people who are going out for those coffees. Uh, one of the things I'm very aware of as Rosie's doing a handoff is, is the number of people who visit people who can't make it to church in terms of, you know, they go and see them every week and they visit them and they support them and they keep them informed and they tell them how dreadful my sermons were this week. Or, and, and, and they do connection. You know how valuable that is? Paul, Paul actually makes the point in 1 Corinthians 12. He says, you know, the most important members of the body are not necessarily always the visible. It's actually the stuff that's unseen, and that's really true. By the way, it's really true at the moment as we enter this phase in terms of the life of the church that it's really important that that connection goes on, that, that we share it. Then uh, the, the last segment is those who are, um, those who minister, better get it right, those who are visible but minister to individuals. And that's your prayer ministry team. You know, uh, they're, they're the people who will pray with you. And we're going to reintroduce prayer ministry during services so you can be prayed for. They're the people that do that. But you see in those sectors, you will fit into every one of those roles. And the question you've got to sort out this morning is, where is it I'm called to serve? You know, and it starts with your attitude. I want to be a servant. And, and, you know, what is it that God has called me to do? And how do I get to do it? And, and then when you do it, exercise the same attitude as Christ in the way that you minister to others. Paul goes on to say that this leads to the building up of the body. He says the way this happens is that when everybody serves with the right attitude, with the attitude of a servant, then the body of Christ builds. It's strong. You know, people like coming to church. You know, the worst thing as a minister is if everybody thinks the minister's going to do everything. You know, some people think that's the way church should work. Don't we pay him or her? And, uh, you know, so surely they should do everything. And, and uh, you end up with a, a church that doesn't function well. Because ministry is not about a single person. It's about everyone doing what God has called them to do. And when everybody does what God has called them to do, it releases people to play to their strengths like we were talking about last week. It's, it's really weird that we always insist on people doing stuff that they're bad at. You know, why, why do we have such a problem with actually engaging people and say, that's what you're good at. Let's release them into it. Whenever I've worked with people in teams, I've always tried to do that. What is this person good at? Let's release them into it. And if you're wondering where you should be serving and what your role should be, do sit around with your family or your friends over a coffee and say, what do you think I'm good at? Where do you think God is calling me to make a difference in the life of this church? I pray that all of us will consider that we are called to be servants and to serve one another. And whether that's upfront, seen by everyone, or whether that's unseen, one-on-one, -on -one, nevertheless, that you have a sense 
I am working for Christ and serving in the life of the church. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for the challenge of service. Lord, we pray for your forgiveness for the times that we have not reflected the attitude of a servant, for the times that we have not exercised that humility and patience and that gentleness towards others. Lord, forgive us for the times that we have become resentful and bitter towards our brothers and and sisters. Lord, I just pray that you would give us the same attitude that, is in, that was in Christ, that he was willing to be humble so that you would acknowledge and recognize him and he could ascend. Lord, make us a servant people. We ask this in your name. Amen.